You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 8th, episode 3055. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Welcome back, Karen Chatton. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. We have we have no exciting weather. It's the middle, it's the tail end of hurricane season, so we have no exciting weather which is always good. How about you out there in Colorado? Don't you have an incoming one though with the hurricane? Yet. It's not, not yet. here okay. yet. It's not See, here yet. You know, that's where we are too. We were supposed to get this big storm overnight and I'm looking out my window and it's blue skies. There's no wind. Everything's dry. Nothing. So, <laughs> Don't let your guard down. Do not. But, but I got blankets on the horses and everything's packed up good. Just, in case so (laughs) we'll see i think it's supposed to get here later this morning like around 10 o'clock so stay tuned for this to stay tuned to the space kind of thing if things are going to change if you disappear suddenly 45 minutes into the show we'll know why the storm got here it arrived (laughs) i mean like up at tahoe and uh down by mammoth they've got their schools are closed today (laughs) well Well, maybe they'll get the maybe they'll get the storm Right. Well, hopefully, maybe this will get everybody that they can go out and go vote, right? It's election day. So. There we go. Well, going to be a fun show coming up today. We've got two guests that are kind of at the opposite ends of the equestrian spectrum. We have one rider who has just completed her first 50-miler, 50, 50 so she's just getting started. And then we have another rider who has completed many, 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 many rides and has three decade team. So give me the short answer of what is a decade team? Decade team horse is where the rider and the horse together have uh, competed in at least 10 ride seasons of 50 miles and up. So if, so in order for the season to qualify, you have to do at least one 50 mile ride that season. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'm, I am such a permanent, they have a name for it, the hunter in the hunter disciplines. I'm a, I'm a permanent beginner. My goal in life is to manage <laughs> to finish at 25. That's you my know, lifetime goal. I, hey, I'm right there with you right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've got, I don't know how many miles it's a ridiculous amount, but um, I've got four decade team horses and now I'm starting, you know, starting over starting and over. starting over. And I'll tell you what, every horse teaches you new stuff. You never sure. stop learning. Sometimes it's stuff you didn't want to learn, but yes. 
<laughs> That's true. That's exactly how it's been with me and Jovi with the trailer lo- loading stuff. Yeah. Well, how is it going with now? Give everybody the, the quick and down and dirty on who Jovi and Apollo are. Okay. Uh, Jovi is, he's a, a CMK bred Arabian gilding. And Apollo is an Anglo Arab. And um, yes, they're my new, they're my newbies. They're, I'm, I'm starting over with these guys. And uh, last month actually was a really good month for us. We, we, Went to a Nita ride, and I had one of my juniors, and then my new friend that I met, um, and she's been riding Apollo since about last February, and so they both rode Apollo one day Saturday, you know, uh, Riley rode Saturday, and and Nikki rode Sunday, and I rode uh, Jovi both days, and we did. 30 miles in two days, which I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a ride and drive. So there were carts and, and uh, buggies and chariots and, you know, so it was still kind of exciting for, for the new horse, you know, for Mm -hmm. Joby, it was all a lot of new stuff for him. And then as if that wasn't enough for his little, you know, pea brain, the poor little thing, uh, I took them on the in the biggest parade in the state at the end of the month. So he has now done a parade. Wow. Yeah. And it was huge. There were thousands and thousands of people. There were jet planes. There were helicopters. There were hot air balloons. Uh, We had a 150 person marching band up ahead of us. And we had a a buzz with an air horn that kept blowing their air horn behind us the whole way. And you know what? Neither of my horses, they didn't, the whole parade, they didn't spook at anything. They handled it like they'd been doing it their whole lives. I was like so impressed and so happy. Just Well, mostly just because I lived through it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know? the, that's the mantra for the parade. I lived through oh. it. Success. I lived through it. I was like, oh, thank God. And then, of course, I was so happy, you know, even when I have uh, the, the parade person that we're using her costumes because we're in Native Arabian costumes, it, it, you know, to have her say, yeah, both of your horses did great. They both did really well. It's like, oh, thank God, you know, because you don't want to go out there and be, you know, that person that embarrasses <laughs> the group or whatever or does no, you don't. or does something stupid. So I was happy about that. I've had I've been trailering out. We've been crossing water. Everything. I mean, it's like this horse has really come together so much in just the last month. But, you know, this whole last summer, he really he calmed down. Um, he stopped doing the, I call it the sideways, like slingshot zoomies. Ever, ever done one of those? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yes. And he stopped doing those. So I'm like, yes, we're happy. So we're making progress. Yay. Um, and yeah, so he's, he's, uh, it just takes time. You guys, anybody listening, it takes time. You just got to keep at it and work with them do a lot of you know a lot of one-on-one personal stuff you know we spent so much time just walking the horses on windy days through the neighborhood so they Mm -hmm. got used to the yard art and the windmills and all the stuff and 
so my big goal for the year actually was to try to get him ready so we could go do a parade because if your horse can do a parade, uh, you know, an endurance ride start isn't going to be such a big deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're going to live through it. What I'm saying. So, yeah. There yeah. we go. So there we go. So yeah. So, we're, so in prepping for your parade, how do you deal with the costume aspect for it? Because when you go out in native costume in these parades, the costumes are pretty extravagant. There's a lot of bits and bobs and baubles and sparkles all over the horse. Is there, are there anything that you guys do to. There make sure is. The horse is comfortable and, with that? And it's, he- you know, and it's heavy and yeah. So we, we went up and we picked up the costumes a few days ahead of time. So we put them on the horses. Uh, you know, just to make sure it's like, you're not going to go bucking down the road with it. Right. Yeah. So uh, just like, you know, I've seen people at endurance rides, they put something new on their horse and the horse takes off crow hopping or whatever it is. Um, so we don't, yeah, we, we definitely plan ahead, get the horse used to it, get everything adjusted we don't want any ward, what I call a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you don't want anything coming apart on you as you enter the, the parade route because that's not good. <laughs> you don't want to do that. So, um, but it's all good experience as far as I'm concerned. It's great experience for any endurance horse because um, the more stuff you can expose them to, the better. Right. The more, the more variety and yeah. Yeah. The, just, the just, stuff. It never but, ends. You know, we had a marching band and of course I'm, I'm reading ahead of time and it's like, Oh, this is the biggest marching band in the state, 150 people in it. And I'm, Oh, great. And then of course we're thinking, well, at least they're in front of us. It's not going to be so bad because all the instruments are facing forward. Right. Right. And, and then we ended up with this big RV bus that's all decorated with all this stuff on it with a friggin' air horn. <laughs> and of course, my two horses, um, we were at the very back. There was like 13, 14 of us, and they put us in the very back of the group. So oh we have goodness. an air horn every 30 seconds or one minute through the whole parade. Wow. Blowing their air horn. Like, <laughs> Ah, and it wasn't enough. We had the side by side behind us, and they used snow uh, snow um, shovels for picking up the manure. Oh, and they make the snow shovel sound. So they're they're oh. scraping the manure up with the snow shovels behind us. Which, luckily, I've done my training and my homework, so the horses are used to all that stuff. But then, I mean, how do you prepare for an air horn? <laughs> Well, see that that's just an, another training it's, tool. We all have we have to have was. flags and we have to have um, <laughs> giant stuffed toys. Now we have to go to the oh, fan store at our local college and buy one of those little air horns. Exactly. And now not only is it a big parade, but it's also Halloween. So we have a like a million little goblins run, running around in their costumes, octopuses with arms flopping around and. Oh my gosh, you know, and it's so funny because like I told my friend Nikki, I'm like, on any given day, any one of these things, the horses, it would it would be like, ah! but when it's all together, there's so much they can't concentrate on any one thing. 
It's all too much. Yeah. Like we had hotter balloons. We had fighter jets. We had a helicopter carrying this ginormous flag hanging below it, going really slow just above our heads. And we had all these things going on. And the horses are like, oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm not going to be so worried about the person pushing a baby carriage down the street anymore. (laughs) See, as as long as... One of them doesn't go. See, you're okay when you're in a group like that. As long as everybody holds it together, when as soon as one goes, that's it. Exactly, it's a domino effect. Yeah, that's it. And and they pick up on the other horses, which are all very experienced. Because I think mine were probably the only two that was their. You know, they were parade virgins. It was their first time, and uh, you know. Uh, we were just thrilled because they kind of, it's like they, they morph and absorb all of the uh, stuff from the other horses. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, just, you know, and, and that happens in endurance rides a lot. That's why I, you know, I'm always amazed at how many people go to endurance rides for their first time. Even if you don't know what you're doing, the horse doesn't know what it's doing. And we come through it and we're all happy later. Yay, we did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just sort of uh, absorb all of, it's like everybody else is doing it. Everything's okay. So we are too. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's that makes cool a big thing. difference. Yeah, that's it cool is. Thing. So, you know, my goal is just, you know, once I do get Joby to his first endurance ride, uh, he's not going to do anything st- I mean, he might do something stupid, but I'm going to be ready for it. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you will you will have practiced in enough different situations that you can be reasonably confident you are up to speed on his current library of stupid things and you're ready for them. Exactly. And I know you can relate to that. <laughs> yes, I can. I can. I can. And speaking of doing new things and everybody doing the same thing, we talked a little bit about um, winterizing your living quarters horse trailer last month. And we, we really focused on the living quarters aspect of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. time we thought we'd chat a little bit about winterizing your vehicle from the horse trailer point of view, because there's a lot of people out there and probably the vast majority of people, their horse trailer is just horse trailer. It doesn't have all of those extra accoutrements. And, uh, you mentioned before we got started today that it was a much more extensive list than you thought it would be. So we're going to, I know. That- once I started talking about, you know, writing it all down, like, oh, these are all the things that I do or go over. There's actually quite a bit to it. And it's important to keep up with all these things from year to year so that everything stays in working order and functional and, and that sort of thing. So you, it's interesting that your list starts with, Wash the trailer inside <laughs> and out. Really? Have you have you never done that? <laughs> I have done that. I know That's, you have. Yeah. I got it's a, a little, it's a little terrifying. And what I find interesting is, especially now because so many people have horse trailers that are all aluminum. Everything is aluminum. Oh, aluminum doesn't rust. I don't need to worry about that. Wrong. Aluminum does not. Rust, it corrodes. I'm use my air quotes. Uh-huh. It corrodes just the same. It will corrode and degrade and become um, insufficient to do its job, just like 
steel can. So you still need to take that thing apart, clean it out, remove debris in there that can encourage corrosion, and then you need to let it dry. Right. Yes. You need to take the rubber mat. If you have rubber mats, you need to remove them, wash everything, let everything dry before you put it back so that there's not moisture coming off of the rubber mats, which can cause corrosion. There you go. I think that's a a detail that's lost on a lot of people. And remember, um, depending on where you live, you, you had commented about how, well, in Florida, you maybe don't need to winterize your trailer, but you do need to regularly and seasonally do these things because moisture, if you're in Florida, moisture is there all summer long. It never seems to go away. doesn't right, matter how much dry right. you do. Uh-huh. So you still need to take that trailer apart, pull those mats out, check what's going on underneath of those mats, get them as dry as you can considering the weather patterns, and keep an eye on that kind of stuff because just because you're in Florida doesn't mean you won't get corrosion. Exactly. And while you're washing your trailer, it, this is super important. You need to go inside of it in each compartment and make sure there are no leaks coming in from your roof, from the windows, whatever. Because you don't want to store your trailer for the winter and you've got a lot of wet storms and you come out in the spring or whatever, even if it's only three or four weeks from now. And now you've got all this water damage. So you need to really be paying attention to that because even if your trailer was super sound a year ago, doesn't mean it is now. There you go. And uh, I've been at many endurance rides where people ended up climbing up and putting tarps over the top of their roofs because once it started raining, they realized they had some pretty good leaks going on. So you got to really be watching for that. Um, you know, when you do your, you know, your washing every year, um, go over all of that. Um, another thing to do is to drain your any water tanks you have. And now an important thing is your batteries and your solar panels. Some people like to disconnect them. And if you're in a very cold climate, they bring their batteries indoor somewhere where it's warm and dry to, yep. to store them for the winter. What I do here, because I'm often using my trailer pretty much year around, is I keep things plugged in or I, I plug things into a battery tender and that keeps things charged up. Yep. And that's, that's not a bad idea because when an emergency rolls around is not exactly. when you want to have your batteries not working. Yeah. Right. Or, or yeah, exactly. So, and in the case of a lot of endurance riders, we're often trailering year around either to go out of the region, to go to a ride or, you know, like you mentioned an emergency or something. So you want to, you know, kind of keep that stuff ready to go all the time, charged up, you know, you, also want to, while you're doing all the stuff with your batteries and checking everything, you want to climb up and clean your solar panels if you have any solar panels, because that they will get dirty and cleaning them off actually really does really, really can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So, and while you're doing this now or in the spring, either one, but at least once a year, you want to go over your brakes and your bearings. You want to check your uh, tire tread for wear. And if you notice something is wearing unevenly, like either the inside of the tires are wearing more or the outside or 
maybe one side is wearing on your axles more than the other. That's something, you know, you can point out to your tire shop when you, if you take it in to have the bearings and the brakes checked, you know, whenever you do that. And because sometimes it's, the axles need to be adjusted. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, I've noticed that, you know, if you go to any event with, with equestrians and you go looking at their trailers and their tires, um, a lot of them do have uneven wear going on. And, and that can be addressed. You can work on that by doing an axle adjustment or rotating the tires. There you go. Also, the number of miles on your tires on your horse trailer is not nearly so relevant as the age of the tire on your horse trailer. And all, all tires have a manufacturing date. And if your tire is more than four years, five years old, just like your exactly. helmet, get rid, uh-huh. get rid of them and get new ones. And be careful because you can buy tires, especially if you're buying tires used. The age of the tire. Don't When you buy your tire from that um, discount exactly. tire place that's alongside the road, he might be selling you tires that are eight years old but have never been installed. So look at that. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, look I can at, tell you a story about going on a ride to Oregon, two states away, and blowing out three tires. Wow. Three wow. tires. Yes. Wowzers. Yeah. And and they weren't, like you said, it wasn't because of the mileage on them at all. They had the lots of tread. Yeah. It was the age. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and keep, uh, in, keep in mind, one of the things that can also stress out your tires, if your horse trailer does not ride level, and you see this a lot that the uh-huh. horse trailer is right those six inches too high so that when you look at it driving down the road, that will cause your the rear set of tires to wear uh-huh. out much quickly. So exactly. again, and also you can get something called a tire pressure and temperature um, monitoring system. They're not really expensive. And what it does, and it just it's just a cap you put on your tire. And what it does is it keeps track of the temperature and pressure in the tire. Mm-hmm. So as you're cruising down the road, it, a little warning light will come on. Right rear tire is much hotter than the other three. That can warn you in advance of a potential blowout. Exactly. So you can yeah. pull over before your tire explodes and maybe address the problem and not have an emergency. Something to look into. Great Christmas gift for horse people. <laughs> Moving you're on. Right. Yep, yep, <laughs> yes. let's, let's talk about uh, the wiring and lights and other fixtures. Yes, so now is a good time to do a full walk around of your your entire trailer. Check all of your wiring, you know, get underneath, look at, uh, you know, the wiring that's going to the brakes, to to the lights, you know, everything. And make sure it's all in good condition and shape. Check your light fixtures. Has anything broken? You know, now is a good time to say, okay, let's make a list. I need to fix this and this and this, you, you know, because now you've got the time. So you want to check all of your wiring, your lights, your fixtures, everything. It's also a good time to go through and lubricate everything. There you I go. Use, I just use like a silicone spray, you know, WD-40 or just a silicone spray. And I do all the hinges, you know, there locks, you moving stuff, do all that. Um Especially if it's going to be sitting for a while. Yeah, good, good, good time time to lubricate the locks on your hitches. And if you have a ball 
that is that goes up and down inside the bed of your truck. Lubricate the mechanism that lets the ball go up and down or in and out. Exactly. Uh-huh. There. And other fixtures. This one happened to me the other day. I drive past the entrance to the Florida Horse Park every day when I go to the barn. So I see a constant stream of horse traders making the turn into the horse park. And somebody was pulling in there to the horse park. Driving along, it's a two-lane road. The horse park is on the right. The horse trailer begins to slow down, and the left-hand turn signal comes on. Well, there's a left-hand turn immediately after the horse park. So, lucky for me, I knew where that person was going by the sticker on the back of their horse trailer. Uh I did not try to go around them to the right as their left turn signal came on, because I knew they were going to make a right. Their, tur- their turn signal wiring was backwards. Now, imagine oh. this happening down the interstate. This this person is driving sure. down the interstate at 55 to 75 miles an hour. They put their right-hand turn signal on, and they're going to about to merge into the right lane. Oh, no. The person behind them sees their left turn signal go on. Oh, that. And attempts to go around them. And voila, tragic accident. Nope, Have somebody mean. stand behind your trailer and make sure your lights work properly. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, you can have this happen without the wiring in your trailer changing. And this has happened to Glenn and I. You put the plug in upside down. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> do that. <laughs> See, I don't think I can on mine. It's got a little. It, uh, ha- it, it shouldn't happen, thing. but you can. If you force wow. it, you can. Because ours has that little notch that it shouldn't happen oh wow oh my gosh yeah, yeah that's so a pre, that's a pre-ride pre-trip check thing checklist to do. hey we're- and next we want to remove any batteries from appliances that are staying in the trailer things like smoke detectors you know anything else you might have because you don't want the batteries just sitting there and and getting corroded that's so yeah to- that's an interesting point mm-hmm and a lot of us have in our horse trailers tap lights or battery operated items. Uh-huh. For example, right. I have one of those um, Dyson battery operated fans in there to take the batteries out when it's going to be sitting for a while. Because you're right, once the battery might not go dead in that short period of time, particularly those nice lithium ones, but they will corrode. I know. Yeah, I same. You know, even a head headlight that you yeah. have. Um, definitely. Yeah. So get those batteries out of there and, uh, make sure, you know, come spring, we can always go, you know, revisit this topic about going back over and getting everything put back into place, ready to go for the new season. Um, another thing is to make sure you turn off if you have propane tanks for any reason, um, turn those off and make sure everything is shut off. You also want to cover your tires. As we mentioned earlier, the sun is not your friend when it comes to tires because a lot of times tires just by getting older, um, that's more of a, a problem than actual mileage on them sometimes. So you yeah, the sunshine is bad. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And even in the winter. So yeah, keep your tires covered somehow with uh, RV tire covers or even just a piece of plywood or whatever. Um, You know, if you you can store your trailer underneath a cover, that's great. You can also consider getting an RV cover for it, which, 
you know, isn't going to be practical if you're going to be using your trailer intermittently and stuff because it's going to be a little bit, you know, too much work to be getting the, the cover on and off. But if it's going to be sitting there for two or three months, then that might be something to consider. You also want to park on hard ground, preferably something like gravel or pavement so that once you start getting winter weather, it's not going to sink like if it's in grass or a pasture or something. If you do have to park on something that's soft or, you know, where your tires can sink, then consider putting wooden planks or something underneath your tires. Or if you can store your trailer under cover, that's great. Or you can consider getting an RV cover. You know, that's not always going to be practical if you're using your trailer all winter long, like a lot of us do. Um, but if it's going to be sitting for months, that's something to consider. You want to park on hard ground, preferably something like gravel or pavement. If you have to park where the ground is soft, like in a pasture or over a grassy area, you can put down wooden planks under the tires. That way you don't have to worry about the trailer sinking into the ground. You know, something that we found really handy is the big box hardware stores carry all sorts of different paving stones. And you can uh -huh. just get the, the big 12 by 12 pavers that they make. And they're a couple bucks a piece. And you set oh, one. Oh, that works. Yeah. yeah and you just yeah. drive your tires up onto them. I like those a lot because, again, we live in Florida where wood is prone to insect infestation of every oh, imaginary yeah. sort. Whereas the paver, being made of concrete, just nobody wants to bother that stuff. So you just pull it right up on there. The grass doesn't go around it. You don't have the wet, dry problem. You don't have uh -huh. the insect problem. That makes sense. Yeah. And they're really handy. Good and idea. You just move them to wherever you're going to park your trailer. Uh huh. Yeah. So all yeah. great, all great tips for uh, keep, keeping your horse trailer in good shape over the winter and maximizing its lifespan. And speaking of great tips, we're going to give Kristen from the Distance Depot a call and see what's going on over there. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some of your supplements that you have. Tell us about okay. those. All right. Um, well, we can start off with, I'm pretty sure... Um, most of you know um, about the Red, Redmond products um, mined here in the U.S. Um, straight out of the ground. Um, Redmond rock salt comes in a crushed form that you can put out loose for your horses. It also comes in a rock form. Um, and these rocks have 60 plus trace minerals, so m many more than just your typical salt block. Horses love them. Um, ours would just stand around and lick <laughs> and lick. They do. It was, yeah, they polish them. I I always say shiny. it's like they polish them up like a diamond. <laughs> they do. They sure do. Um, so they have lots of different products. They also have a product called um, Daily Gold, and that's a stress relief um, product. And it has the bentonite healing clay in it, um, which helps with digestion. So anytime, you know, you're traveling or you've done, you know, or when you've had weather changes or feed changes, um, exercise changes, the Daily Gold um, comes in a paste as well as in a four and a half pound bag. So it's more economical, of course, in, in the bag form and just a scoop um, does the trick and very picky eaters 
do well on this as well. Um, it helps to stimulate uh, st- stimulate the stomach um, and keep everything going smoothly in there. So pretty cool products. And we also have Redmond Salt for you, um, which I use and we have here in the store on the lunch table for everybody. It's a great product too, much better than the bleached table salt where so many of us are uh, right. using. Right, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have lots of different um, types of electrolytes. We have Enduramax. Um, we have a BCAA, which helps with muscle recovery. Um, the Enduramax comes in a powder as well as in a paste, your electrolyte paste. We have a non-sugared um, electrolyte paste. And some of the things that I think are good to have on hand are some... Um, we have a couple of different products. There's an ABC ProBi, which is made by Advanced Biological Concepts, and it's an all-natural ingredient also for digestive health. And um, this is a good product, I think, to have on hand if you have a, you know, episode of colic. Um, I've really pulled horses out of, um, you know, barometric-type colics, and mm-hmm. um, I've seen a lot of benefit. To, to to that pro buy, um, and we used to use it on the endurance rides too. So it's a nice product to have. And there's another product called Immediate Response, which we've had excellent feedback on. People write to us and say it saves them a vet bill. Um, so that's a nice product to have on hand too, in case your horse is having any sort of oh, light colic episodes or gastrointestinal type problems. Those, um, that works really well too. So check it out at the Distance Depot. We have lots. We have a whole page dedicated to electrolytes, probiotics, and our supplements. Oh, we have a new one too. I need to mention Funky Unicorn. Uh, <laughs> it's a funny name, but these little electrolyte treats, um, also endorsed by Heather and Jeremy Reynolds, as I understand. But it's a fairly new product, and we've had really good feedback on that and what, too. And what's it called um, again? Funky unicorn electrolyte treat. So okay. they come, you can buy it in a little trial size, but then it comes in a bigger jar. Um, it's about $22, but I think there's like 110 of these little tablets. And you can just give it to your horse if you're traveling, you know, like a treat. And of course, oh, I got to try so, that. Yeah, it's really, and the jar is just super cute. But, and, and there will be um, a larger size, which they call a trainer size. So it will be a bigger bag, which um, we're going to bring in as soon as those become available too. But it's a fun little electrolyte oh, and we've had really good feedback on it. Okay. And so how would somebody get in touch with you? Well, they can visit us at um, www.thedistancedepot or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349, and we can help with any questions you might have. And this morning, our first guest is Samantha Shoemaker. She has just completed her very first endurance ride, a 50-miler at the Sand Hills Ride in South Carolina on her Mustang Mare Rosa. So welcome, Samantha. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. So I'm exci- I always love to talk to new riders and get their take on how things are going for them and their horse. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the sport of endurance and how you got your Mustang. So uh, it's a unique story, I think. 
I actually first got involved in endurance racing in 2007 in the United Arab Emirates. I was a, afforded a special opportunity to ride with a stable near where I was living at the time. And what they specialized in was endurance, which I had not had the opportunity to do before. I had been trained in hunter-jumper and dressage beforehand. But this was something that I quickly fell in love with. I did a short qualifying race. And while the horse uh, was deemed not sound at the end of it, so I didn't continue for a little while, uh, I didn't have the opportunity. And many years later, (laughs) um, I actually started working with a colonial Spanish horse conservation program where I live. And my Mustang was purchased by a member of the program. And I kind of saw her and fell in love and decided to myself, well, I think I'm going to give this horse a try. I was looking for a horse and Um, The conservation program focuses when they teach riding on distance riding. They're not, they're still pursuing endurance in the sense of really learning how to do the sport properly. Um, So I really started working on conditioning her uh, while also getting her under saddle that's quite a long story. Uh (laughs) Um, Yes. See, um, we actually, so I purchased her in May of 2021. So we're only a year and a half. in. when I started riding her, she actually wouldn't even move forward. We are now over a thousand miles under saddle. We actually, um, completed a thousand miles under saddle in July and, we're now almost 1,400 miles under saddle, and we've ridden 1,000 miles this year. And where, do you know where she came from? Yeah, so she was out of Nevada. Uh, there's some interesting discrepancies in her paperwork. So what we do know is, is that she was caught outside of Tonopah, Nevada. Okay. And uh, she is a Guria mare and actually is registered as an American Indian horse. And how tall is she? She's 14 hands. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought she looked kind of, you know, on the smaller side. I saw some of your photos from your ride. Mm-hmm. She's beautiful yeah. though. She's just beautiful. Yeah. She's very, very fit. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she is. Well, that's a lot of miles you've done, you know, to get her in condition. So, um, so what, inspired you to start out with doing a 50 for your first ride? So at the program where I currently keep her Mill Swamp Indian horses in Smithfield, Virginia, uh, we sometimes will hold an in-house endurance event, uh, which is just the riders in, in the program to kind of see where the horses are at physically. And we had done a 15 mile event in March And I ride anywhere between 25 to 30 miles a week on average. Mm -hmm. And through fox hunting, as a matter of fact, I met Mary Howell, who is a longtime endurance rider, Mm -hmm. and spoke to Mary about my interest in renewing my 
my exploration of endurance riding and she was very enthusiastic, but recommended that with the amount of miles I put on regularly, a 50 was really a better place to start. And I had done an in-house 50 in September. And so she told me with as well as Rosa performed in that, that really the stampede might actually be a good place to start. And I do think she was correct at the end of it. Sure she was. <laughs> <laughs> I love these endurance writers that, that, you know, I know I've talked to a few people into doing 50s or even hundreds. It's like, yeah, just jump right on in. You can do it. So good for Mary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, she she was really supportive. It was so nice to have such a supportive and seasoned rider and everyone at the race couldn't have been nicer. I had a couple of people ask if I'd been scared out of it. And I was like, no, I definitely want to do this again. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. So I, I did see that you had a variable weather on that ride. So tell us about that and how the ride went for you. So that really funny. We were expecting a really beautiful day. The forecast all week had said it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a great temperature. And in the middle of the night, I was like, well, we're here now. <laughs> um, so when we started the ride, it be misting. We definitely had a little bit of light rain during the ride. Uh, it was overcast most of the day. I'll tell you that it was honestly only difficult for me during the break because you couldn't get warm. So you'd, uh -huh. be, you'd, uh, right. you'd be in your hold and you're, you know, you'd be attending to your horse and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm really cold. covered <laughs> <laughs> in rain, you're sweating and you're like, oh, huh this isn't totally comfortable. So I actually found myself eager to get back on and get moving again so that I would warm up. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you mentioned all the miles you've ridden to get your horse and yourself in condition. Um, what do you see? Do you see anything different with conditioning a Mustang over, you know, now that you know other people that are probably riding other breeds of horses, do you do you see much difference? And you know, did did you do anything different to get yourself prepared? Yeah. So I think with a Mustang, the way that they're built, the way that Rosa is built, it's really productive to actually have them in constant physical shape. Um, their lung capacity and their heart capacity are actually a little more than it would seem with such a petite built horse. And so what I found highly beneficial was keeping a schedule of at least 15 miles a week. Uh, we do five mile conditioning rides in the mornings before work. And I, with training Rosa, I at first went very easy, very slow, but what I found was that if I gave her the right balance of distance, but also consistency, she came to get more excited about going out and about keeping pace. And for her, 
she's not the fastest horse, but she keeps a very, very consistent and steady gait, and she will mm-hmm. hold it for hours. Oh, uh, neat. We, uh-huh. we have that issue of her giving out. She very much was like, okay, this is my job. I will keep six and a half miles an hour, and we're just going to hold it. And uh, so for a young horse starting in endurance, I'm told that's pretty good. It is. Uh, yes. Rating is a very challenging thing for most people. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not an easy thing. So, it, it, you know, it really helps a lot if your horse just, you know, uh, uh, like with Rosa, she can manage to do it on her own. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, and I found that she builds stamina as she goes. Um, I would also highly recommend this. Switch it up. Mustangs tend to be very clever horses, and they get bored. So, for example, we don't just ride distances. I dabble in mounted archery. Uh, We've been working on getting her towards bridalist riding. Um, We do groundwork a good bit. We fox hunt. So she gets different stimulation in different ways so that she never is totally bored with one activity. Uh Um, Even swimming her in the river during the summertime, you know, she seems to enjoy the variety in addition to her normal training. Oh, good. Wow. It sounds like you're having a blast with her. Yeah. We, We have a lot of fun. Uh huh. So, do you have another ride planned coming up? Not yet. Uh, my husband and I are in the process of building a house, so we're we're holding another event until the new year. Um, but I'm really excited to get back into it and to get her and, as well as my husband and his horse started. So, what's your favorite part of endurance riding so far? You know. It feels so great to finish. And it's not like other sports where you're constantly thinking about place. At least I'm not. The The process of getting you and your equine partner across the finish line safe and sound and in good time is a really rewarding experience. And I have found that it's increased my bond with Rosa as we've pursued that that she mm-hmm. really it's a lot of trust building and it really makes a difference not just when you're out on the trail but also in day-to-day interactions and so you mentioned that you would get up and ride five miles in the morning before work so tell us a little bit about your conditioning schedule and how you work that around the rest of your life So the way I treat it is how many people treat the gym. So I get up, I go, I take care of my horses. I uh, feed them before we start the ride. We actually primarily condition with trotting. Uh, We do intersperse a little bit of canter into it and sometimes some galloping. But what I have found is that the trotting builds up the right kind of muscles to give stamina in particular. Mm -hmm. So what we often do is we have um, we have access to hunt club land that have trails. So when it isn't hunting season, 
we're allowed to go out and use the trails as much as we like, respect, respectfully, of course. Um, but we have a circuit of five miles, so it's two and a half miles out and two and a half miles back. Um, what we tried to do is interval training of some slower trotting, stronger trotting, mid-level, maybe we throw in a walk. Um, but essentially we walk the first quarter mile and then the rest of it is trotting until we're ready to come back in. Um, and we usually start the ride no later than 7 a.m. in the morning. Um, the group that I ride with, everybody has to be at work at about 8.30. So uh, we keep it to an hour's ride. Um, during the summertime when we have more uh, daylight, we actually do 10 miles on Wednesday morning. So we'll get up extra early start the ride at 6.30, so we have an hour and a half, and we normally do complete 10 miles within that hour and a half period, and of course, that requires more cantering and whatnot, um, but because I don't have hills nearby, it's really important to kind of have that interval training and to think about uh-huh. the muscles uh, and how to develop those without the hills. So ultimately, what are your goals? I think right now my goals are to get Rosa really in the habit of riding endurance to get my husband into it. I would love to eventually work up to hundred mile races. Okay. Sure. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slow, slow and steady get to get there. Right. And uh-huh. um, we'll see We're my husband and I are starting a small breeding program ourselves. So we're hoping that some of the offspring will show a, a penchant for endurance as well, and then we can get them involved. But I think mm-hmm. endurance is such a nice opportunity to actually go and do for a very long time. I can be mm-hmm. well, well advanced in life and still be able to do endurance. Right. You learn so much, don't you? <laughs> it's just, yeah. there's yeah. so much. Yes. Yes. Cool. Well, it's been great talking to you, Samantha, and I appreciate you joining us and telling us about your your horse and your first ride. And do you have any advice for a new another new person starting out? Yeah, uh, do what you can, jump right in, and enjoy the process. The process is the best part. Yes, yes. It's not the destination, it's the journey. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, you're doing a great job. Oh, uh, thanks so much. So, uh, so congratulations on getting through your first ride. Thank you. What a great conversation. And speaking of great stuff, I want to tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors today, Horseware. Horseware would like to introduce the new Rambo Autumn Series. Yahoo! Rambo Autumn Series is ideal for use in those trans-seasonal weather patterns. We've got plenty of those all over the country. Reduce the need to change your horse's sheet during unpredictable weather with the technical turnout. Lightweight, waterproof, and highly breathable hybrid fabric applications combine technical soft shell, durable 900 denier polyester, and mesh panels across the chest and shoulder area to promote superior circulation. 
The Autumn Series Turnout has all of the quality and waterproof construction that you have come to love from Horsewear, and it has a 100-gram liner to stretch its usability even further, and it is available in sizes 66 through 88. You can learn more about the Autumn Series rugs at horsewear.com, or you can ask for them by name at your local tech retailer. And now, who's our next guest, Karen? And this morning, we also have Joni Burden joining us. Joni's been riding most of her life. She's got over 11,000 miles, and she has three decade teen horses. Her family rides, so she's got a lot of history and I'm sure a lot of stories to tell us about. I'm looking forward to talking to her. So welcome, Joni. How are you this morning? I am well. How are y'all? Uh, we're all good. So tell us how you got started in endurance. How old were you? And uh, a little bit about your family. All right. So back in the late 70s, my granny actually did some endurance. My mom, of course, started, I think she was 10 or 11, maybe 12 when she started endurance. Um, now, I was eight when I started riding endurance. I had an eight-year-old rule in the southeast region at that time. Otherwise, I think my mom would have had me at a ride before that. Sure, I bet she would have. <laughs> and, and I saw, three I looked, generations. Yeah, I looked up your record. You've been riding for over 20 years now. And uh, you've done all 50s and up. And how many hundreds have you done? Um, I think the hundred that I did two weeks ago made it 32 or 33. Okay. Wow. Wow. So tell us about, uh, I know you, when you were still very, very young, you started writing hundreds. So tell us about, you know, one of your first hundreds. I did my first hundred when I was nine up at Spook Run in Indiana. Um, That was really fun. My granny even came to crew for me and met us at all the road crossings after dark. So she was super proud to be able to be there, you know, for her grandbaby's first hundred. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I did my, my sick Biltmore hundred that some people know about. That was my second hundred, and then I guess I did three or four that year, and then ever since then, I've just been hooked. <laughs> you Hundreds so, are my absolute goal. So it's like a bug for you. You got bit by the bug, and now you're addicted. Yes. So what do you like the best about endurance riding? I just enjoy the stress relief mainly. You know, you get out, you're in the woods with your horse, you've got the whole day and you don't have anything to think about, but just getting through the day, whatever's in front of you, make it work. Uh-huh. And and so now you I, have, you have a kid now, right? I do. She is three. Okay. So she'll be riding soon. <laughs> Yeah, she already rides some. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that you have three decade team horses. So congratulations yeah. on that. That's uh, 
you know, quite an accomplishment. So just give us a, a little bit of a rundown on those three horses. Uh, so those three horses, Cash, Booger, and Fancy, those actually were all three rescue horses. Um, cash we picked up. My dad just paid whatever cash he had in his pocket. He was a handful. He was proud cut. We weren't able to, um, we weren't willing, I guess, to put him through the surgery to get that retained testicle, testicle out. So 10-year-old me was basically riding a stallion as far as his behavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he, w- he made me a better rider, but it was not fun. He, as good as he was, I don't miss riding him. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, now, Booger, he was my second decade horse. Now, there was some overlap with these horses. Uh-huh. Booger, he he always kind of caught the back end of things. He was always my B-string. He was Cash's B-string. And then as Cash kind of got older and I stopped riding him quite as much and I got the third decade horse, Fancy, he kind of became her her backup. He, he never was my favorite, but, you know, looking back, um, I missed a lot of good opportunities with him. He always did whatever we put in front of him. He's carried several different riders through hundreds he's now my daughter's horse that's part of why I went ahead and retired him he was still competing but you know he's 22 years old and she loves him so she rides him now oh that's and so fancy cool. she was my cheapest of the rescues $60 my mom as bad as it sounds she wanted us to get rid of her off her with a bullet because she was crazy <laughs> <laughs> but that little girl, she is my heart horse. Once we got through her issues, which she was abused, the other two were not abused, so they were much easier to deal with as far as the breaking process. She was heavily, heavily abused and still has issues to this day. Um, but that mare, she is perfect on 100. She's the easiest thing to ride there ever is, and she's as happy going out of camp back up the mountain at 90 miles by herself as she is in the morning, leaving out with the whole group. She's perfect. Uh Uh-huh. And how old is she now? She and Booger are 22, and Cash is 24. Okay, so They all live here at my farm right now. are, Are you starting to bring along any new horses? So I had two younger horses that I had kind of started along there at the end of of Fancy's time, Jam and HB, they both actually had gotten up and had done a couple hundreds. I went out and did Bighorn um, with a friend, Laura Marshall rode um, HB, my my other Uh mare, and I rode Jam. So they've both done Bighorn 100. I mean, they're they're good horses. Um, Now, HB, just to be honest, she's not my favorite. And I went ahead and bred her to my mom's stallion for a future thought about a baby I might end up selling it if it comes out a boy I'm a mayor person <laughs> okay okay so and, then, and, and I and I saw just to interrupt real quick here um you have your mom had the stallion she has is a Van Gilder Arabian yes yes just like my um, little new boy Jovi he did his first he did his first 50 a couple weeks ago oh did he um, okay okay he so he did he did great Oh, good. Yeah, he's five okay. and a half, and he did his first 50. He's beautiful. Of course, I'm he a little is. He's partial a good, there. good boy, too. 
Aww. he is a very good boy. Yeah. They're just, I love the, that, you know, line of horses. They're just, they're wonderful. They are. I'm hoping that, you know, I've got some mares. Hopefully I might have a baby or two to compete on in the years to come. Wow. So you're really into this horse thing. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> there will be no stopping. I remember um, a friend of the family, an endurance friend of the family said, oh, Jody, when she gets in high school, because I ran track and cross country. Oh, when she gets in high school, she'll stop running. Oh, when she gets in college, she'll she'll stop riding. And I didn't. And then, oh, well, when she gets a real job, um, I'm an ICU nurse. Oh, well, when she gets a real job, she won't have time to ride. I did. Oh, well, when she gets a family and gets married and gets pregnant, she'll stop riding. I didn't. No, no, <laughs> oh, it doesn't sound like that. No, it sounds like you're, no, you're no, definitely I'm in, it. in it. You're a life lifetimer for sure, sounds like. For sure. So, so do you have any advice for new riders that might be starting out or that want to aspire to, you know, moving up to the longer distances? I don't think it takes as much time as, as they fear, which you're obviously aware of that. Um, you can do it. Just get out there, ride your horse, have fun. You don't have to have the best of the best of everything. You know, I've gone through phases when I first got married and we didn't have much money that I was pulling up to rides in a stock trailer, you know. But, hey, I'd pull three or four horses out of the trailer and we would do hundreds. So it doesn't take the best of everything to do this. Just right. Get out right. there and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what's – tell us about your favorite rides. Let's do – uh, tell us about your favorite 50 and your favorite 100. Mm, I'd say my favorite 50, unfortunately, does not occur anymore. Oh, um, I know how that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually only about an hour from my house, um, Rockbridge Canyon. They've held it under several names. It's been Rockbridge Canyon, Hodges Hootenanny, um, Bud's Ride Till You Die. They were all at the same location. But the trails are incredibly beautiful. They're very difficult, but um, just incredibly beautiful. And it's unfortunately just they didn't get a lot of support because the trails were so difficult. So it is no longer. Aww. My favorite hundred. Oh, that is going to be quite a toss up. My favorite hundred that I could go to every year, I would have said Big South Fork. That's just five hours away in Tennessee. It is definitely underestimated. A wonderfully tough hundred. Beautiful trails. Only five hours for me. Um, my favorite hundred that I get to do sometimes, I would say Bighorn for sure. Uh-huh. That's obviously not something you can do every year when you live 30 hours from there. Especially now with the price of gas right or fuel yeah yes making everything it's my goal to go back about every five years okay okay so since you started riding at such a young age Joni tell us what do you like the most in your sponsors that you rode with Oh, I had a lot of good sponsors. Um, for the most part, my mom sponsored me. And then various different riders had to pick me up throughout the times. 
really, I had always had good sponsors. They were always willing to share and let me go in front some, you know. Um, just they felt confident in my ability and my horse's ability. So I never had a bad experience. I good. think the most good. important thing to me is, you know, just if you have a kid that's good and your the horse is good, don't stress. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Okay, well, let's wrap this up and you can get back to your family this morning. I just want to tell you, we appreciate you joining us today. All and, right, thank you. And good luck with your upcoming rides. All right, thank you. Have a good day. So, great guests today. Two completely different spect- ends of the spectrum. One who's been doing hundreds like crazy and one who's just getting started into the into that level. But they're and they're both addicted. They, and they're both they, addicted. Well, they yeah, both got bit by the endurance riding bug and <laughs> they are now addicted for life. <laughs> well, speaking of addicted for life, uh, in order to get addicted for life, you've got to try it. And where's a great place for people to find out information about rides and the yes. upcoming annual convention? Right. Go to AERC.org. And you can go there and and look up the ride calendar and search for rides in your area. If you're new, it's always a a good time to go and uh, look up rides near you that you can go and volunteer, contact the ride manager, ask if they need any help, or just go hang out. Uh, You know, sometimes you just got to jump right in and go. There you go. There you Uh, go. Exactly. And which you've done, Jennifer, you've jumped on in and and gone and done rights and, and managed to live through it. (laughs) I I survived. On Nigel. Yeah. I survived on Nigel, who does not have the knack for being raided. (laughs) I was was (laughs) chuckling to myself during that part of the conversation about having a horse that is a good steady pace and is easy to rate. I know. That's his really, 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 really weak point is that's seeing that for, for me with Jovi, that's one of his strong points. He's never going to be a fast horse. Apollo gets out there and will literally run circles around him. And he just keeps going his steady little consistent speed. So it's like, I'm happy with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the, the part about rating and it's funny because so many people, focus and endurance they focus on the recovery parts the recovery parts the recovery Mm -hmm. parts well for my horse i have to focus on the rating part because if you're going 25 miles which is the shortest available official race length you can't be going 25 miles and battle the whole time about the pace your horse is taking because it uses up 10 times as much energy right and And, then it becomes a mental thing right and then you if they're mentally overtaxing themselves, then that's when you start to run into problems. Well, you run into problems because they're going to exhaust themselves. They're going to exhaust you. Yes. Uh Right. And you can't Uh let them, but being, being a hundred percent thoroughbred, I can't let him just run as fast as he wants because he's a thoroughbred. And what they do (laughs) is they run as fast as they want to, and then they break. (laughs) Uh uh-huh oh yes and then you have vet bills and And then you and then you have no horse so we want to do this yes exactly with uh the least amount of you know uh, kinks and the that's right so that's the whole thing that's that's what we're working uh on right now is we're working on learning how to allow me to rate him Uh and that's hard because you have to do that with a friend you can't just do that by yourself because that's not how races happen 
Right. Right. Visit that another time because we're running out of time today. If you want to find out more about today's show, go to horsesinthemorning.com. If you haven't done so already, download the free horse radio network app. If you want a super, super easy, low stress, simple way to listen to horse radio network podcasts, download the app. There's no frills. There's no fancy stuff. It's just horse podcasts. And we're going to see you next month, Karen. Absolutely. And just as a reminder, the AARC annual convention is coming up February 24th and 25th, 2023 in Jacksonville, Florida.